0: Thanks for tuning in to Next Level Church Podcast. For more information, please visit our website at nextlevelchurch.net. Well, good morning to you. Today we are kicking off a brand new series entitled Fixer Upper, Remodeling Your Family. And here's one thing that all of us have in common. We all have a family. Maybe your family is not traditional. Maybe it's a little dysfunctional. Maybe it's unconventional. Maybe there's some issues. Maybe you're like, hey, I kind of like my family. Sometimes all of us have family. We all come from families. We're all a part of families. They don't all look the same, but all of us have, have family. And here's I want to give something at the very beginning. I want to give you a challenge before we get into the content, before we get into our verses. I want to challenge all of you to do something with This series. One of the things that unchurched people and church people have in common is family. And all of our families need a little bit of work. We all need to do some remodeling and some fixing up. So I want to encourage you to invite someone who does not have a church home to come with you next week. And uh, if you're thinking, I don't know who to invite, I don't know, or that's too intimidating, um, I'll, I'll tell you exactly, this is the line that you can use. Hey, we're learning about families at church, it's very practical, would you come with me next week? And if the person says no, then just follow it up with, by saying, I put a curse on you and all your babies will be born bald and naked. That's the way that you handle, <laughs> just kidding, it's okay to smile, I'm just kidding, just making sure you all are awake and alive. Now, um, but I get it, it is tough sometimes to invite people to come with you, uh, it can be intimidating, but I just want to ask you just to reach out, the worst that could happen is they say no, who knows, you might bring someone with you next week, but I, there's one other thing that I want to ask you to do with this, is uh, a great way to uh, let people know what we're talking about, is by sharing it on social media, so if you have Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, all those things, if you would just share, you could share the graphic from this series, um, or here's what I think would be really cool, if you hear something, that you think, hey, that challenged me or encouraged me, would you just share that thought on your social media page, and then you can invite people to come with you that way. Um, we are talking about family because it is incredibly important, and uh, all, of us have, all of us have families, but what we're learning in uh, research with psychologists and doctors and counselors is that the family in America is falling apart. In fact, uh, the Family Services Association of America reports family breakdown is fast-reaching epidemic proportions and now ranks as America's number one social problem. So when those that are in the authority, when those do the research, when they look at families, they're like, hey, we've got some major issues and we've had issues for a really long time. Now, in America, from my perspective, I often hear whenever there's a problem, people start talking politics and people start saying, well, if this politician does this or if we vote this way, it will fix this problem. But I'm wondering if politics is missing the mark completely. And if we really want to help America out, it comes from helping our families out. If you really want to change the world, if you want to make a difference, it's going to start with your family. It's like what the philosopher, theologian, and really old dead dude, St. Augustine, once said way back in 400 A.D. He said the human family constitutes the beginning and essential element of society. Peace in society must depend on peace in the family. The truth is is we have very little control over the rest of the world. We have very little control of who is in office or what politics are happening. We've, we control that very little. One of the things, though, that we all can influence is our family. And no nation has ever survived the degeneration of the home, not Greece in 300 BC and not Rome in 300 AD. So if you want to make a difference, if you want to make the world better, it starts with loving your family. It's like what Mother Teresa said, if you want to change the world, go home and love your family. If you want to make a difference, go home and love your family. You want to change the world, go home and love your family. Now, here's the problem when it comes to our families. I think a lot of us like the idea of family more than our families itself. Like, we like this idea of family. We have a picture of family in our mind, and we're like, yeah, I like the idea of getting together, of having people in my life. I like the idea of living with people that share my blood. We like the idea of family, but then we get along, we get around our family, and we're like, you get on my nerves. We get around our family, and we're like, you're kind of annoying. We get around our family and say, why will not you just do what I tell you to do? We get around our family, and there are some issues. And I think one of the major issues with actually having healthy families is that so often our dream of what we think a family should be doesn't match reality. And whenever it doesn't match reality, we start to break down and have issues and we think, why can't you be more like that family member? Or why can't we be more like this family that we see online or on on, on television? We like the idea of family more than we actually like family itself, because family comes with problems. It's kind of like how I like the idea of six pack abs way more than actually doing the work of having six pack abs. I was in the gym yesterday doing 100 sit ups and I hated every second of it. And midway through when I was at 50, I thought to myself, I'd rather be fat and happy than do this hard work. Like, it is miserable. We like the idea of things. We like the idea of family. We like the idea of getting together. We like the idea of Christmases with everyone together. We love this idea of family, whatever idea of family we have. But then when you actually get your family members together, there will always be some issues. There will always be some problems. It's like what Dietrich Bonhoeffer said. Dietrich Bonhoeffer was a German theologian, and he ended up being killed in a Nazi concentration camp. He actually was a part of a group that tried to assassinate Adolf Hitler. And he ended up being captured and eventually killed in a a concentration camp. And we have copies of his writings and a lot of the things that he said. And he introduces this idea of the wish dream. Now, I want to ask you to stick with me for a second, because when he talks about wish dream, he is talking about church and with Christians. But I think we can apply this idea of the wish dream to our families. But I want to show you a portion of what he said about the wish dream. Dietrich Bonhoeffer said, those who love their dream of a Christian community, more than they love the Christian community itself, become destroyers of that Christian community, even though their personal intentions may be ever so honest, earnest, and sacrificial. God hates this wishful dreaming because it makes the dreamer proud and pretentious. So Bonhoeffer gives this idea of the wish dream. And for Christians, he says the wish dream is this idea of what they think Christian community should be like. I think the church should be like this. I think the pastor should be like this. I think Christian community, and we have this imaginary wish stream. It's this idea. And then when the actual church doesn't match that idea, people start criticizing the church. Why can't you be more like what I want you to be like? Why can't you be more like this vision or this dream that I have? And that is a great line and a great idea for another sermon series at some point. But right now we're talking about family. And I think the wish stream applies to the family. Because a major issue in so many of our families is that we go into the idea of family with this wish dream. We go into the idea of family with this idea of like, one day when I have a family, it will look like this. And it starts when we're single. If you're single, you probably have a wish dream that you think, oh, I'm not going to be happy until I get married. And once I get married, it's going to be amazing. We're going to take long walks on the beach, and we're always going (laughs) to stare into each other's eyes, and we're never going to fight, and he'll never fart in front of me, and it's going to be this amazing romantic thing, and then you get married, and you're like, man, this is difficult. This is hard work, or, or or, then once you get married, then you create a new wish dream, and you start thinking about kids, and you're like, you know what we need? We need kids. Kids will make us happy, and you start having this idea, and you have this dream, and you think, oh, yeah, we're going to have a bunch of kids, and we'll we'll make them wear matching clothing, and they'll be so cute, and like. They'll be amazing. It'll just be so much fun, and we'll have a great family, and you have this idea of what you think family should be. Can I just tell you that there is nothing in the planet that is more judgmental than a single at a grocery store looking at a family that's having a toddler that is having a meltdown. The most judgmental people in the world are those who do not have kids and see a toddler crying at Food Lion or Farm Fresh. And I know because I used to be one. I remember walking through the grocery stores as a single and you'd see these kids having meltdowns and I would say, my kids will never do that. (laughs) When I'm a parent, it's going to be amazing and my kids are going to listen to what I say and I wouldn't stand for that. And then you have kids and you're like, good golly, this is hard work. It doesn't match the wish dream. And so often with our families, the real issues that come with our families is that we have this expectation. We have this wish dream. We have this thing that we think. Well, if you really love me, you would treat me this way. If you love me, you wouldn't bring these problems into my life. If you love me, we would always get along. We have this wish dream expectations that we think family is supposed to be like. And for often, a lot of times in our families, what ends up happening is that we end up being a little bit more like reality television than real life families. A lot of times because there are some issues in our families and we don't like to talk about them, we don't like to deal with them, and they don't match our wish stream, we only show other people the highlight reels of our family. We only pretend that things are going really great, and we don't like to admit and talk that, hey, behind the scenes, things aren't really a- a- as nice and shiny as they look online. In fact, um, I-, I don't know if you watch any reality television, but it-, it came on pretty strong in the 90s. It was invented in the 90s with shows like Real World and then Uh, moved on to like Survivor and uh, The Amazing Race and American Idol and all these reality television shows. And a lot of people really love reality television. The problem with a lot of reality television is that it is television, but it's not real. I have some friends that were on HGTV's House Hunters. And I just want to tell you that if you are a fan of these type of shows, I'm about to burst your bubble. I'm really sorry if you love these television shows. Because I want to give you the behind the scenes. My friends, Mac and Jess Kitchell, they live in Atlanta. And they were on season 99, episode 7 of House Hunters. And they had a dream to move into a certain house. And I was so excited to watch this show. It's not a show I normally watch. But because my friends were on it, I was like, I'm watching it. And it was so cool to see it. Because they live in Atlanta, I didn't get a chance to talk to them about the show until some time had passed. And when they visited Virginia, one of the first things that I I talked to them about was this show. And I was like, tell me all about it. This is so exciting. And when they started talking about house hunters, what I found is that what I saw on the show was nothing like the reality of what really happened. On the show, they they have to make a decision between which house they want. And they had three different houses that they were choosing from. And the third house that they looked at, it ends up being the house that they end up choosing. And what my friend Matt told me is that at that point on the show, they already had the house under contract. He said it is impossible to move that fast in the real estate world. And so they already had a house under contract. They had to make believe and pretend like it was a hard decision about what house to pick. To make it even more just mind-blowingly unreal The producers of the show said, hey, do you know anyone that would be good on camera that could be your realtor? And they were like, yes, we have a friend that would make a great realtor. The realtor on their show was not their actual realtor that sold them the house. (laughs) Everything on the show was fake. It's real people. It's not actors, but it is fake. And a lot of times I think with our families that the issues is we don't want to deal with the real problems in our family, we would rather pretend. We'd rather show people that, hey, yeah, look, we all get along and everything is great. And we like to show the highlight reels of our families. And we don't like to admit that there's really there really are some issues that behind the scenes, real family takes work. There's problems. We're not always going to get along. There's real things that we have to deal with. If you're taking notes, I'd encourage you to write this down. If you want to have an amazing family, it starts with being brutally honest about what needs to be fixed up. If you want to have an amazing family, it starts with being brutally honest about what needs to be fixed up. And this is something that is difficult to us because we don't like to talk about problems. And we don't like to admit that, hey, our our families have some work. And we don't like to admit that, hey, you know what, not everyone gets along and there's some issues and there's some problems and there's some messes. We would rather ignore those things. But it's very much like a house project that at your house, if you have a project that you keep putting off and you say, I'm going to get to it one day, one day is never. It just never you never get to it. And the problem just sits there. And it's a lot like that with our families. And that's why today what we're going to do is we're going to look at something that the Scripture says that is a starting place for remodeling, for fixing up our families. It's a very practical place that all of us can apply. We can start doing what the Scripture says right now, today, but before we get into the Scripture, we just have to admit, our family has some remodeling to do. Our family has some fixing up. There are some issues in our family that we need to be honest with and we need to work towards. If you'll have that mindset, you're going to get a lot out of our scripture for today. But at Next Level, we honor the text. And the way that we do that is by standing to our feet, reading it nice and loud. So I want to invite you to stand to your feet and read with me Proverbs 24, verses 3 through 4. Now, at Next Level, we like to have a little bit of fun. Uh, you'll see the numbers, 24, verses 3 through 4. There's two dots between those. And we just pump our fists at those dots by saying dot Dot. and uh, this is just a way for us to kind of wake up. The doing the dot dots better than a good cup of coffee. It just wakes you up, makes you alive, and helps you hear from God. So I want to invite you to do the dot dot with us. Will you read with me, nice and loud? It says, "By wisdom a house is built, and through understanding it is established. Through knowledge its rooms are filled with rare and beautiful treasures." Proverbs twenty four dot dot three through four. Now that we've read the text, let's go to God in prayer. Will you pray with me just quietly in your heart? Uh, God, we just come before you and we just admit that all of us have some fixing up to do. All of us are works in progress. None of us are perfect. None of us have it all figured out. And so, God, I just ask that you would chip away at our own pride, that you would chip away of our own insecurities. And God, I ask that you would speak to our hearts in a personal way. And when you speak, we often become afraid. So, God, would you give us the courage to do what you tell us to do? And God, I ask that the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, you are my rock and my redeemer. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You may have a seat. So metaphorically speaking, are the rooms of your house filled with joy and delight or with confusion and heartache? And this is where you have to be brutally honest with yourself. When you look at your family Unit. When you look at the family structure, and if you compare that to a house, and you look at each section of it, are the rooms filled with joy and delight, or with confusion and heartache? The verse that we're going to look at, it tells us that if we do these things, we can fill the rooms of our house with joy and delight. But before we get there, we've got to be honest and say, there are some rooms that are filled with confusion and heartache. It's like almost every house I know There are some people who keep a pretty clean house and it's pretty tidy and guests could come over at almost any time. But they still have a closet or a room that they don't let people see. And if you open that one closet, everything just piles out into the rest of the room. Everyone has a junk drawer. Everyone has something that they're like, yeah, we just haven't gotten to that. And so even if you would say to yourself, you know what, I think that most of our family is pretty good. I think most of our family is filled with joy and delight. I want you to be thinking about the part that is not filled with joy and delight. The part that's filled with confusion. The part that's filled with some heartache. And this is hard to do. We'd rather ignore it. We'd rather put it off. We don't want to embrace the fact that there is some pain. There's some dysfunction. There's some problems in our family. And the truth is, is that so much of the problems that come with our family is because we have this expectation that when we hurt or when we struggle or when we bring something to the family, we expect them to respond a certain way. And when the family doesn't respond the way that we want them to, we become hurt and we say, man, you, you don't love me or you don't care about me or if you really cared about me, you would have handled that situation differently If you're taking notes, I encourage you to write this down. Every family has issues, but it's how we handle those issues that leads to heartache and confusion. Every family has issues. And a wish stream will tell you that certain families are perfect, certain families don't struggle, that you're the only family that struggles, but that's a lie from the pit of hell. Every family has issues. But it's how we handle those issues that often brings a heartache and confusion. So every family has some things that are out of their control, whether it's sickness or or whether it's like a rebellious teenager or or it's the death of parents or it's like a loss of a job. There's going to be some type of fixing up that needs to happen. There's going to be some drama that comes in your family at at some point in your life. Something's going to happen and you're going to say, this is tough. I don't like this. I wish I could just wave a hand and like fix the problem instantly. But often what happens is when we have a mess to clean up, instead of dealing with it in a way that honors God, we respond in a way that makes the mess even worse. Instead of really working and fixing it, instead of doing our part to really handle it the best that we can, our response often makes things way worse than they actually are. And we need to learn to see the things that matter the most to our family members so we avoid giving unnecessary hurt to the people that we care most about. We need to learn in our families, okay, you're hurting, you've brought this situation, you're rebelling, you're doing something I don't like, okay, how do I respond in a way that can help you in this season of hurt? What you said hurt me, but I don't want to respond in hurt, so let me try to figure out a way to clean up this mess. And our scripture that we're going to read today, it gives us the ability to do this. It tells us exactly how do we do this. How do we handle situations that are out of our control? How do we handle family messes that we don't know how to fix? We weren't educated to fix it. It's a new problem that we didn't deal with in our original family. How do we deal with these things? Look at what our scripture says. Proverbs 24, 3. It starts off by saying two words. By wisdom. We're going to stop there for a second. Because before we get to the rest of the verse, we need to break this down because this is incredibly important to understanding how to build a good home. By wisdom. We'll see later on that there are three things that this verse uh, tells us we need in order to remodel our families. But if you're taking notes, the first key to remodeling your family is wisdom. By wisdom. Wisdom. It's incredibly important. If you are making a real life physical home, you want someone who builds that home with knowledge and wisdom. You don't want a foolish person building that home. You want someone that knows what they're doing. If you have remodeling things or things that you want to fix up in your physical house, do not call me ever. I will pray over your house. I will put a blessing on your house. I will ask God to bless it. But do not ask me to fix it because I do not know how to fix things. In fact, I am horrible at it. And oftentimes when things break in my own house, my pride gets the best of me. And I'm like, you can fix this. Like you, you have a master's degree. Like you, you can do this. We had a, a toilet one time that was running, and so I needed to fix the insides of it. And I was like, I'm not calling a friend for this. I'm not calling someone to fix my toilet. I can fix this. So I went to, to, to Home Depot. And can I just tell you, some of you love Home Depot, but for those of us that are not inclined mechanically to fix things, I need a tour guide at Home Depot, I need someone that can stand there without judgment and say, let me show you these sections. Because I wander around Home Depot and I'm like, I don't know where I am. This is a foreign land. And like, I never can find employees to help me. Well, I found myself in the plumbing section and I was looking for how to fix the insides of this toilet. And I saw a kit that had a sticker on it. And it said, guaranteed to fix the inside of your toilet in 15 minutes or less. That's what I bought. An hour later, in multiple YouTube videos, I finally fixed the inside of my toilet. It's a shame though, there's no money back guarantee because they said 15 minutes and like literally by 30 minutes, like I was like, I barely opened the packaging for this thing. Like, how is this supposed to get done in 15 minutes? You don't want someone that doesn't know how to build a house building your house. But what happens when you're the general contractor of your own house? What happens when you're the person that's in charge of building the house? What happens when you don't have the experience to build things and you're like, there's so many problems and I don't know how to deal with this. The scripture says to get wisdom. Well, what what is wisdom? I love what the ancients from the Old Testament, I love how they define wisdom. They say that wisdom is the art of skillful living. I absolutely love that definition. Skillful living is looking at situations and figuring out the best solution. So in your family, when you have a new situation that you're like, I don't know how to deal with this. Wisdom says, okay, let's figure out a way to solve this problem. I wasn't educated to fix this. This is a new situation. I don't know how to deal with the problems in my family. But wisdom will help you know what to do. Theologian Eugene Peterson, he takes this one step further when he says wisdom is the art of living skillfully in whatever actual conditions we find ourselves in. And I like that idea a lot. You see, the wish dream will tell you that you can't be happy until things change in your family. And you can't be happy until you add more members of your family. Or you can't be happy until your spouse changes. Or you can't be happy until these people change these certain things. But wisdom would say, no, this is my family. It's the only family I got. And I got to figure out a way to get along with them. And I got to figure out a way to encourage them and build them up. Because I can't replace them, I can't just fix them instantly. So wisdom is going to let you look at the conditions and say, okay, this is what we have right now. Let's make the best of it. Wisdom is incredibly important. So let's look at our verse again, Proverbs 24.3. It says, by wisdom, a house is built. And through understanding, it is established. So the house, the foundation for house, for fixing it up, is wisdom. So now the question that we need to ask is, okay, if wisdom is so foundational for building a house, how do we gain wisdom? Because we all need this this wisdom. Well, Scripture gives us an answer for that. In Proverbs 9.10, it says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. So the Proverbs are really clear that if you want to gain wisdom, it comes with God. Now, if you were here last fall, I covered this idea of the fear of the Lord, and what does that mean? And when the scriptures talk about the fear of the Lord, it's not talking about that God is the boogeyman and we should be scared of him. It's talking about having this 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 awe, this reverence for God. And in the scriptures you can tell when someone has a fear of the Lord because they obey and they do what God tells them to do even when they're scared. The fear of the Lord means God, I'm going to follow you first even when I'm afraid. God, I'm going to do what you tell me to do even when I'm really scared. God, I'm going to obey you first. That's what it means to have the fear of the Lord. And the scripture says that the fear of the Lord, that's the beginning of wisdom. Putting God first, that's where the wisdom comes. Doing what God says, that's how you start to gain wisdom. Jesus addressed this in in a parable that he tells. And I want you to look at the construction metaphor that he includes in this Parable, In Matthew seven, twenty-four through twenty-seven, Jesus is speaking, he says, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house. Yet it did not fall, because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the wind blew and beat against the house, and it fell with a great crash. So Jesus said that wisdom starts by hearing the words that he says and then putting them in to practice. Now, I think something interesting about what Jesus said is that the storm comes to a wise person and to a foolish person. Storms come to all of us. There is no family that's going to make it out of this world without facing some type of difficult storm. But the wise person says, okay, this is the storm. It stinks. I don't like it. I didn't ask for it. But how can I skillfully maneuver in this storm? How can I make decisions to help us get out the other side? And Jesus said that when you do what he says, you are building a foundation of wisdom. But he says the fool is a person who hears what he says and then just ignores it. So a definition of of foolishness is knowing the difference between right and wrong and choosing what is wrong anyway. Jesus is a wise person, hears what he says and does it. A fool, hears what he says and does the opposite. Now, let's just take a pause on this real quick. Before you start thinking, oh, I wish someone else was here to hear this or I wish my kids are paying attention to this foolish part, can we just admit that we all have some foolishness inside of us? Can we just admit that all of us, there's some things that we're like, I know what I should do, I just don't want to do it. I know that I should be the bigger person and apologize, but I don't want to do it. I know that if I would change this in my family, it would make things so much better, but I don't want to do it. I know that if I would approach them, we haven't talked in years, but I know if I would call them, I know it would start to mend this relationship. I know if I would get over my pride and I would just just swallow it and forgive them the way that God has forgiven me, I know it would make things better, but I just can't do it. All of us have some areas in our life where we know the difference between right and wrong and yet we choose to do what is wrong anyway. And please hear me on this. If there's some issues in your family, you're not alone. And the way to solve these issues is not ignoring them. It's not name-calling. It's not pretending that they don't exist. The way to start solving the problems in your family is being brutally honest and saying, Dear God, give me wisdom to fix this. Because I don't know what to do. And I don't know how to fix this storm. And I can't change them. And I can't control them. So God, would you help me know what to do? So the proverb, it gives us three keys to remodel our family. And the first one is wisdom. Now, there's two more. And if you want to get the other two, you have to come back because I'm not going to give them to you today. (laughs) Come back next week and we'll talk about number two. But I want to tell you that's really intentional Because I think this wisdom piece is so important that if I gave you the others, I think we would hear all three of them and then we'd walk out the door and we wouldn't do anything with the foundation piece of this. So before we work on the second piece of fixing our family and then the third piece, I want us just to pause for a second and say, okay, God, if what you said is true, if the foundation of our lives should be wisdom, then that's what we need to start working on. And if wisdom is doing what you tell me to do, then I've got to be brutally honest with the foolishness in my life. And I've got to be brutally honest that some of the messes in my family, it's not because of other people, it's because of stuff that I've done. And it's stuff that I've caused. And even if the mess is because of someone else, the way I responded to that mess was not full of wisdom, it was full of foolishness. And I can't control the other members of my family, and there's some things, there's some storms that I cannot fix but I can start with wisdom. So now, God, let's just be really honest and let's just admit there's a mess and I don't know how to clean it up, but I know if I ignore it, it's not going to go away. So, God, would you give me wisdom? Wisdom. And this is a prayer that I want to give us that I want to encourage you to pray. Because wisdom is not like a one time thing. Wisdom's not like, hey, if you just hear one church service, you're going to be wise. So wisdom is a continual decision to hear what Jesus says. And obey Him. And it's difficult to do. So I want to give you a prayer. And I want to challenge you to take a photo of this screen or to write it down. But I want to encourage you as a starting place to fixing our families. Would you just pray this prayer this week? And I'd love it if you'd even pray it longer than that. But at least while we're in this series, would you just start with this prayer? Here's the prayer. God, for the sake of my family, would you give me wisdom to know what's right? And the courage to do what's right, even when it's difficult. So often the problems in our family come because when a storm happens, we're not educated enough. We don't, have, we don't know what it takes to fix it. And we're like, this is above my pay grade. No one taught me how to deal with this. No one taught me how to deal with the issues that we're dealing with. So God, I need wisdom. Would you give me the wisdom to build a foundation? But here's the thing about wisdom. Wisdom starts from learning what God says and then doing it and the second part is where it's so hard because the fool says okay hey I hear what you say I hear that will fix my family I know that's going to make things better but I choose to not do it so God would you give me the wisdom to know what's right help me know what decision to make do we need to call a counselor do we need to admit there's a problem is there a book to read is there, is there someone we can talk to Is there something I should do? Should I pick up the phone and call them? God, would you give me the wisdom to know what can I do to try to start fixing up the issues in our family? And then would you give me the courage to do what's right, even when it's difficult? And may we be a people who understands that wisdom starts with hearing what God says, but it finishes with doing it. May we admit that we all have some foolishness, May we admit that our families aren't perfect and they have some issues. And when we talk about those issues, there's nothing to be embarrassed about, but it actually enters us into the club of other hurting people who also struggle like us. So may we bring our problems to God and may we get the wisdom to know how to solve them. We pray with me, God, we ask in Jesus' name that you would just help us to have the humility to invite wisdom into our lives. For the sake of our families, God, would you give us the wisdom to know what's right? And would you give us the courage to do what's right, even when it's difficult? God, you know how we struggle. You know how we have excuses and rationalizations and our own pride gets in our way. And so we ask right now, God, that you would be giving us supernatural strength and courage to do what's right. And we thank you for what you're going to do in this series. We ask that you would do immeasurably more than we could ask or imagine in our hearts in our minds. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. We hope you've enjoyed today's sermon. If you would like to hear more, please visit our website at nextlevelchurch.net. You can also follow us on social media at NextLevel757. Join us next time.